Right now, you are probably only hours away from an entirely new decade. Or if you're listening to this, like, the day after it comes out, you're welcome to 2020. You're already in that decade. Congrats. You've made it. We survived. And if this is the last recording ever left of humanity, um, this is what people sounded like. Or at least what (laughs) we sounded like. This is what we sounded like. Um, But hey, you guys, this is Blood and Wine. I'm Brittany. And I'm Tyler. And, and it's a new decade. It's a new decade, or it's about to be. It's crazy. It's the Roaring Twenties. It's crazy. Oh, no, I don't think they're going to call it that. The Sobbing Twenties. They might call it that. That was just my Twenties. <laughs> it slash is just my Twenties. I was about to say, you're still in those Twenties, so, you know, I don't you're know. Right. Like, you're right. Enjoy that time, but Thirties are better, I've told you multiple times. You have. <laughs> you and everyone who is in their 30s has told me. Yeah, your 20s are just something you have to get through. I'm just tired all the time. Oh, that doesn't change. So, oh, sorry. Cool. Okay. I've basically been tired since I could remember. So, does that ever change? <laughs> I don't was think I so. supposed to get all my naps in when I was like in kindergarten and I just fucked that up by being like, "No, I don't want to sleep." And now I'm like, "God, if only I had time to sleep." Well, see, now this you, you're understanding why old people sleep. Like, they're making up for, like, 60 years of not doing it. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> um, well, we've got an exciting episode for you guys. The last of 2019, or maybe it's one of the first ones you're listening to in 2020, if you didn't listen to it the day it came out. Oh, yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> no, but um, hello, everyone. Thank y'all for tuning in. Hope y'all are having a great day. Yeah. I'm having a pretty good day. It's been a good day. It's been a good day. I've had a pretty hellacious last couple of weeks. And so... You have. You have. You've had an awful last couple of weeks. And today was a breath of fresh air. I slept in and I needed it. I like literally texted coworkers and I was like, yo, gonna be late sleeping. I didn't say exactly that, but I could have. Um... But yeah, today was a really good day, like felt really productive. I don't know. I'm just in a really positive moment right now. And you've you've talked to me the last couple of weeks. I haven't always been in this. So um, (laughs) it's it's good that I'm in this mood uh, for this. Otherwise, I'd be like, oh, let's fucking do it. Like whatever. But not really. (laughs) I wouldn't ever be like that um, Uh, about the podcast a little bit. (laughs) But no, it's just like I'm looking forward to this new year. Lots of promises, lots of possibilities. Um, Just trying to stay positive, you know, because I feel like when a new year comes around, you can have one or two outlooks on it. You can be excited. You can be looking forward to the new year, these new opportunities, possibilities. What could this year hold? Or you could look at it as a, like, thank God this year is over. Ugh, bet this next one won't be any better, but, you know, at least it's different. Or, I I don't know, maybe, or you could just, like, think of the passing of time and be really depressed by that. But Uh don't. I encourage you to be positive and think positively about everything that could happen because it's a brand new year. Don't be saying that new year, new me shit, but, like, you can embody that, but just, like, please don't say it. (laughs) True. I just... I feel like it takes so much energy to be pessimistic. Like, just focus on other things. It also takes a lot of energy to be optimistic. I feel like I'm just neutralistic. 
Is that nihilism? Is that what that is? Or is that a different thing? I have no idea. But I will say I 100% agree. It takes more energy to be upset about something or to be frustrated or sad or just like, or not necessarily sad, but just like being angry and negative. It's mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, we, we heard it when we were like freaking kids. Like it takes more muscles in your face to frown than it does to smile. But you know what? I think that also applies to like the energy and this like emotional toll it takes on you to be be negative and i swear to god maybe it's just another thing about like getting older like you give less shits exactly you run out of fucks i mean honestly one of the most empowering things i feel as an adult is to be like you know what i actually don't give a fuck like i don't care yeah like i'm I'm good and then you're like ha 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 i have all the power but also it's like you know what you do you well, I'm, I'm I'm done expending energy being involved or giving any shits about this. So, bye. Well, and the thing is, it's not like, it's not about applying that to everything in your life, but it, it helps you prioritize what's worth caring about and what's not. Because a lot of I the mean, times, yes. we'll expend- Don't be like, you know what? I have kids. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> fuck y'all. A job? I'm good. <laughs> Paying my bills? Who needs ya? Don't do that. No, no, don't do that. But I'm just saying it really helps you prioritize what's worth caring about and what's not. Because trust me, everything goes in one of those categories or the other. And I think I'm not even shitting you, but I feel like when you're in your 20s, everything is in that I care so much about it category. When you get to your 30s, you just start throwing things into the don't give a fuck category. And it's the best. I mean, as an ancient Greek philosopher once said, is it worth it? Let me work it. I put my thing down, flip it, and I reverse it. So I think that applies here. <laughs> um, okay, but let's get into this episode. Are you ready? Yes. Um, yes. First, before we like really, really jump in, I want to remind y'all real quick about Patreon. If you haven't checked it out, head over to patreon.com slash Podcast. Um, You can check out all of our different tiers of support, and you can get access to all of our Murder Mini episodes and Bottle Talk episodes, as well as different perks for each tier. Yes, and while you're at it, be sure to subscribe if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts and whatever other podcast platforms you can subscribe to. Um, I Mm -hmm. think you can subscribe on like Google Play or whatever, but we're also on Spotify. Our Spotify Mm -hmm. listeners are huge. Hey, you guys. Um, So yeah, subscribe. Yeah. Okay, so with this being either your last or your first podcast of 2019 or of 2020, we wanted to really, like, focus an episode around that. Um, Or I guess I did because I lost last week, and so um, I wanted to focus this, and Tyler totally agreed. So, you know, it's, it's all good. But I wanted to think more about, like, second chances and how, I don't know, to me... Again, like I said, trying to be positive as I go into this new year, it's more opportunities. And so this episode is going to focus on people who got a second chance at life. People who literally were faced with what should have been their death. I mean, just being totally honest. And it wasn't. And they survived. So we're doing a second chances New Year's spin survivor episode. I mean... I've said it before, survivor stories are always some of my favorites. They are also always some of the most fucked up. 
uh, cases that we go into. Yes, that's 100%, and I can guarantee this episode's going to be filled with all of that. Yeah, and I can guarantee that we're both going to need quite a bit of wine to get through these cases. Well, I think then we let's talk about what wine we picked as our last first. Okay. All Tell right. me what wine you picked. Okay. So with this being when it is, like, obviously, I picked some fucking bubbles. Duh. Yeah. So this is the Cecilia Beretta Vino Spumante Rosé from Italy. So it's a sparkling rosé. Um, it's extra dry. And it's made from the Ribasso Piave and the Galera grape varietals. And together, these create a very beautiful pale salmon color. And... Mmm, salmon wine. (laughs) So you put, like, fish roe around the rim of your glass, and it just... Oh, it's like a fancy treat. Don't don't even (laughs) joke. That's so fucking nasty. (laughs) Um, That would be pretty gross, but no. If you put the fish roe in it and it's bubbly, they kind of go down and up and bounce, kind of like when you put a raisin in champagne. Exactly. I'm sorry. I did... I. I was wrong. It's not around the rim. It's in the glass. So nasty. (laughs) Um, So this sparkling rosé, it has fresh strawberries and raspberries on the nose with a little bit of a hint of yeast. So you know how sometimes your sparkling wines will smell a little bit like bread? I mean, that's just the yeast that's in it. So um, that's totally normal, you guys. This wine is also delightfully fizzy and very fresh on the palate with citrus and tropical fruit notes. And then it rounds out with the berries. So it's very dry and has this beautiful lingering fruit finish. And it is considered to be one of the best sparkling wine bargains at Trader Joe's because this baby is only $7. Nice. And it's beautiful. And I've... I've never had this one. Um, I feel like you are more apt to get the sparkling wine recently, which is funny mm-hmm. because I remember trying to push it and you were like, no, no sparkles. And I was like, okay. okay. Only because <laughs> I don't know what it is about sparkling wine. Makes you burp. No, it oh. makes me drunk so quick. <laughs> so I'm going to be halfway through my case and I'm be like, and then I just, I see... I see me there. It's not. I'm here, though. Not there. And you'll be like, oh, my (laughs) God. Um, We're an hour in. (laughs) Pull your shit together. Well, you go second this time. But um, so, yeah, pace yourself. (laughs) No. Um, But I'm really excited to get into this and also a little bit nervous uh, because I don't want to you know, break all the computers and electronic equipment that's around me. Um, If you can't pop a champagne cork without putting a hole in your roof, (laughs) then I don't think you should be drinking bubbly. You know what? That's totally fair. Um, I can do it. So I just took off the foil and y'all are just going to hear all of these sounds because you know what? I'm not using an opener. Like we're okay. I'm taking off this like cage. Oh yeah. It's the cage. That's what it's called. It's for dancing in. So honestly, what I like to do, I, um, okay, this is super random. I grab and pull, but okay. (laughs) 
I mean, yes. I don't have, really have a process, but sure, please explain yours. <laughs> okay, I will. You'll stop, like, being so rude. Okay, what I was going to say, I'm one of those people that doesn't like opening water bottles because it hurts my hand. And I know... <laughs> no, this is a legit You're so thing. so delicate. It hurts. It hurts when you try to twist it and those things. It, it hurts. So, um, not that champagne has those, like plastic ridges in the cork um or sparkling wine but i use a towel like honestly i grip it better so i use a towel and like just twist and pull yeah Ooh, this one's in there oh. oh how's that grip going how's the no shut the wow i want to see if the pot was gonna happen <laughs> got it there we go <laughs> okay but look how big that is that's a chunky cork (laughs) okay i'm not weak this has a big ass okay that's a cork who has to shop in the husky section for jeans when they're eight years old and it (laughs) scars them for life even into their 26 you know what uh husky jeans are like real people sizes okay let's be real i just want numbers don't put husky yeah that's not a good that should that word should never be used on clothing. I know. I'm like, ooh, do you want to shop in the little fat boy section? And I'm like, <laughs> oh. I have to. <laughs> this is my fourth pair of jeans this month because my thighs keep rubbing holes in them. <laughs> That's literally my life every day. Still. <laughs> Amazon. So Get your jeans on Amazon and no one will judge you. <laughs> Look how uh, yes, light wine. this is. That, honestly... Yeah, that is a light salmon color where it's very light pink, almost orange. Like, it's, I have never seen a sparkling rosé this light. Okay, well, I am excited to get into mine because I need a glass of wine today. Yeah, what did you pick? Did you get bubbles too? I also got bubbles because it's New Year's and I love bubbles. Oh, you do so love bubbles. So I'm, you know. They're great. I'm going to be drinking the Don Simon Selection Brut Cava. And I don't know why I went French there. It's definitely Spanish, but... I know, I didn't... I was I was confused, but okay. Drinking a cava, which is a sparkling wine from Spain. And I actually found it at Whole Foods for $6. So... That's possible? Didn't know Whole Foods... Yeah, I didn't know you could find anything for $6 at Whole Foods, but apparently you can find this. And like a pack of gum. Basically. (laughs) But this is described as a crisp and refreshing kava with aromas of pear and citrus. Lots of people said it was a great sparkling wine for the price. One reviewer, though, was not too happy about it. (laughs) And they wrote that there was a tiny pop when it opened a light straw color, hint of yeast, dry with soft apple, a little bit crisp, but the bubbles disappear rapidly. And after five, ten minutes, there is like just a bare trace of bubbles on the rim of the glass. So they said there's almost no sparkles, but it is a tasty wine. And this ended it with sad. Sounds like they got a bottle that had gone bad. Yeah, I'm interested to see. So I'm hoping mine is loud as shit when it pops open. (laughs) But mine um, pairs with the most ungodly long list of food. It pairs well with chicken, turkey, duck, goose, squash and root vegetables, pork, mushrooms, shellfish, cheddar and gruyere, 
meaty and oily fish, whitefish, manchego and parmesan, and cream sauces. So, food. It pairs well with food. Yeah, except spaghetti and meatballs. Oh, no, I guess that's so. (laughs) It would pair well with the meatballs. Um, But yes, I'm going to get into this thing. Yes. So, I guess you don't feel the need to share your process, because like you said, you're just a pro at this, apparently. But it's fine. I mean, I'm just gonna open it like a normal person. Now I'm decaging the wine. Decage. Let that wine loose. It's ready to party for New Year's Eve. This wine, um, the kids are at Grandma's house. It is the first night, and this wine is ready to party. Love it. Please be loud. Please be loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was loud. That, That's that, fine. That was a loud pop. Um, are you just drinking it, yeah, out of your regular wine glass? <laughs> yeah. I have one champagne flute that says, like, yes, party queen. But champagne flutes only hold, like, one ounce. And I'm here <laughs> to drink. I'm not playing games. I like how the bottle has... Like, the label's the same color as Vouv, so it's, like, very sneaky. It's not Vouv. That's, like, oh. $60 a bottle. Well, maybe they mislabeled the price and meant 60 They, um, um <laughs> they have that at Trader Joe's, and they definitely have it at Whole Foods, I guarantee it. All right, well, this smells delicious. Uh, I think we should cheers. Cheers to 2020. Cheers to 2019. Bye, bitch. Um, cheers to 2020. You're looking good. Cheers. Oh. Mine is good. It's definitely extra dry, which is how I like it. This is a solid, you know what? I would describe this as a great wedding kava. Not too expensive, so you can get a bunch of bottles, Mm -hmm. but one that your guests are all going to be happy, everyone's going to have a little glass to do their toast, and you know what? One reviewer who said it was sad. It's crisp and bubbly. Mine is dry, crisp. I definitely get the red berries, like that strawberry and the raspberry. This is a perfect warm weather sparkle, because, I mean... I don't know. It's pink. Like, I don't know why pink goes with everything. Although we did do our pink mulled wine, which is not what we called Mm -hmm. it. It was mulled rosé. And it was wonderful. I think we need to, in 2020, drink more bubbly. It doesn't have to be a special occasion. Or, you know what? Hell yeah, it's a special occasion. That special occasion, you're off work. You're feeling yourself. You put some Lizzo up on your Google Home. You're, I don't know. Live in your fucking life, and you're going to celebrate with a bottle of bubbly. And do your hair talk. Okay. I 100% agree. 1,000% agree. Boom. 2020, year of the bubbles. It's not White Claw summer. It's bubble summer in 2020. It's bubble year. Bubble year. Well, we've got our bubbles. We've got our topic, which is all about second chances, new years, all the things. Um... Also, one thing that I did want to note with this topic, and at least in my case, there are trigger warnings for sexual abuse, Um, and I just want to put that out there. If that's something you're not comfortable with, maybe skip this one. Yes, because um, I also want to flag a trigger warning for my case as well. 
um, for uh, sexual abuse and violence against children. If those are topics that you're not comfortable listening, totally understand. Uh, We have a wealth of other episodes if y'all haven't checked them out. Definitely agree. Glad you mentioned that Mm -hmm. because I think this is definitely one that needs a little bit of a pre-warning trigger warning. Definitely. Um, Let's get into our murders. Well, almost murders. Yes. I want to hear your um, case. Oh, that's right. I go first. (laughs) Okay. So I used I Survived because honestly... I tried th- so fucking good. It really is. Like they obviously found some of the best survival stories and it's why they're on there because I looked. I looked to see if I could find another type of survivor story, but there's just nothing that compares to what they have on I survived. So mm-hmm. mine is from season 2 episode 4. So this takes place in December 1991 in Fort Smith, Arkansas. So this woman named Christy, she is headed to the bar with a couple of her girlfriends. Wait, yours is Christy? Yeah. Mine is also Christy. Not from Fort Smith, but it's the episode of the Christies. Yes, it is. And also, (laughs) I'm glad yours isn't in Fort Smith because I was going to be super pissed if we did the same one. Um, The fact that we've never done that, because in this one, usually we'll kind of sort of text each other. We did not for this one. No, no. Um, so Christy, she is out with her girlfriends. They're going out to the bar to watch some Monday night football. Christy was volunteered to do the driving that night because she wasn't planning on drinking. And so she gets in her truck, takes herself and her couple of friends to the bar. So they're there, they're hanging out, having a good time, watching the game. And then all of a sudden, three men came up to them and they wanted to play pool together. They wanted to play partners. There were three girls. There were these three men. They were like, let's play partner pool. But, like, the the girls are like, no, no, we're good. We're good. You know, like, when you are trying to, like, brush off someone where you're literally like, okay, but, like, get the fuck away. But you're nice. Like, okay, uh, but Oklahoma just scored, so can you really get the fuck out of my face? <laughs> but they're trying to be nice about it. They're like, oh, no, no, no. But the men kept trying to talk to them. And they sent over beer. And just, they're being relentless. They're being way too nice. And way too talkative. And so Christy was just getting a really bad vibe from these guys. Do guys think that works? Like the I don't being know. extra pushy and you're like, oh, no, thank you. And they're like, maybe if I ask seven more times, they'll be like, wait a second. You know what? <laughs> I've said no six times. Yes. I think I've met yes this whole time. I would love to. No, bitch. That's not how things work. All I'm going to do is get really annoyed and get really sassy. I know. I just, I don't, I don't understand why people do that. It's so annoying. It's like the people who like, I don't know, slam on the gas and like do the thing with their tires and they're like, ooh, being so fast. And it's like, cool. Do you think I want to fuck you now or what? Well, and even like just getting into the broader spectrum of catcalling in general, um, my friend was walking past the most cliche thing ever she was walking past a construction site downtown and the construction workers one of them just like licked his lips at her and i'm like what do you expect do you expect her to turn around and be like oh my god no one's ever licked their lips at me i i'm sorry i can't get out of my pants quickly enough i want to ride your face like n- no people don't do that i know like ha- 
Has that ever worked for anyone? No one is like, oh my god. No one has ever asked me what this ass do. That's all I've ever wanted from someone. Um, I I really want to know, like, there have been times I, I want to turn around and be like, does that does that ever work for you? How successful? What's your rating right now? Like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, interested and I'm not at this point yet annoyed. I'm honestly curious. Has that ever worked for you, dude? Like, I also definitely had this conversation with a dude on Grinder literally last night. I was like, I have said no. And you being like, come on, is not going to convince me. Bitch, I'm in bed. The only <laughs> thing that gets me out of bed is that fourth alarm that's like, no, you have to go to work. That's it. <laughs> if you're not that, you're not getting me out from under these covers. Sorry. Dude, totally feel ya. Well, Christy had a real bad vibe from these guys. And her inti- intuition was really strong because what she didn't know is that all three of them were criminals. So the first guy was Travis McVeigh, and he was out on bond for allegedly killing his father. Oh. Yeah, no, when I say criminals, I mean, I mean like, they did some bad shit. I was thinking, like, they robbed a convenience store. No. Nope. Donald Peterson was an escaped convict, and oh. Jimmy Joe Winters was out on probation. So okay. they... You know, Christy and her friends, they try to avoid these guys all night. And later, when the bar was closing, her friends asked Christy, like, if she was going to give the men a ride home. And... Bitch, no! Was exactly her answer. Like, she had a single cab truck. She didn't know these guys. And so that mixed with her really bad feeling. Like, no, she was not going to give them a ride home. So her friends leave. I guess, like, Christy drove them to the bar and they had another way to get home. But Christy's driving herself home. So as soon as she gets outside of the bar, she just starts running for her truck. She just doesn't feel good about the situation, and she wants to get home. Yeah. And she could hear these three men running behind her. She made it to her truck. She she got the key in the lock, and then that's when one of them hit her. The keys were, like, jerked out of her hands, and she, she fought for her keys, tried to hold on to them, tried to get them back. So her fingers were, like, all torn up from this struggle. They were cut. Oh, Jimmy went to the driver's side and unlocked the door and then opened the passenger door and pulled Christy in the truck by her hair. The next thing she knew, she was on Donald's lap and the passenger side of the truck and he was raping her. Donald had her by the door and he had her head covered with a coat as he was raping her and she's fighting him and Travis is in the middle seat hitting her while she's being raped and trying to fight against them. She was fighting for her life, but she was also fighting for her son. She had a three-year-old son, and she was a single mother. So she's trying to do whatever she can to get herself out of this situation. She started to argue with them. She was trying to find, you know, maybe something rational in these men, something that she could latch on to. But when she wasn't finding any rational thought in them, she would fight, and then she'd scream. Donald kept her under his coat And he was, at this point, holding her and saying that he won't let the others hurt her anymore. And mind you, this is the dude that just fucking raped her. She tried talking to them some more, telling them that she needed to go to the bathroom. And they were arguing amongst one another, saying that, you know, she was just going to take off. Like, they're, they're not stupid. They know this. Because at this point, they're driving the car. And 
so she just keeps keeps trying to get them to stop so she can go to the bathroom. But she had actually been paying attention to where they were. I mean, this was her town. So even being under the coat, she had an idea of where they were headed. She yeah. So she finally convinces them to stop. And she knew exactly where they were. They were just one block away from where her dad worked. And he was there. She could see the lights on in his office down the street. So she knew that her, her father is right there. And she just needed to get to him. That was her plan. She's like, I've got to get over there. Yeah. So they stop the truck. She jumps out and they take the coat off her head. This is when she identifies the building, you know, is able to confirm like, okay, I am exactly where I thought I was. And she's, she just starts to run. Yeah. And there for a little while, she thought she was being let go. You know, for this moment, she thought that they were just like, ah, fuck it, whatever, let her go. But they caught up with her and knocked her in a ditch and they just started beating her. They need her, kicked her in the stomach, punched her. They ended up breaking two of her ribs and they pulled her back into the truck and started beating her more. They started the truck and the three of them are just freaking out because she saw their faces. So they were discussing the fact that they now needed to kill her. They had to get rid of her. So for the next six hours, they're driving around in the truck. They're raping her. They're beating her. They would drive a little bit, stop the truck, get out, beat her, rape her. Then they drive some more over and over and over for six hours. They ended up driving her to an isolated dirt road. They stopped the vehicle and they're like searching it. They wanted to find something to use to kill her because they still were planning to kill her. Like, I I guess they were just driving around trying to figure out what to do and make a plan. All the while beating her and raping her. So they're searching under the seats in the glove box. And when they open the glove box, they find four bullets. So Christy used these bullets for target practice, but she did not have the gun in the truck. So when the men found these bullets, they just started freaking out and asking her where the gun was. And they're screaming at her. At this point in time, after everything that's happened... Like, she doesn't remember she has bullets in the glove box. So she has no idea what they're talking about. She's like, I don't have a gun. There is no gun. And they were not convinced. They just, they thought she was lying and that there was a gun somewhere. And so they continued to beat her. They would elbow her. They would pick her up and throw her on the ground. Um, They would throw her against the truck. And all the while, they're screaming at her, where's the gun? So they continued to look for something to kill her, and they ended up finding a Phillips screwdriver. Oh, fuck no. So they held her up by both sides of her arms, and Donald, who was the one who said he wouldn't let the others hurt her, he was the first to stab her. So while this is happening, she's she's just in complete shock. She can yeah. see the screwdriver going in her chest and being pulled out, and she's watching them stab her, and her blood's like hitting the windshield. And she said as she was watching this, it felt like slow motion. Like maybe this was a dream and she just needed to wake up. Yeah. But she she knew this was for real and that she needed to fight. And so she did. And she starts swinging and kicking. And they she finally got them to stop stabbing her. But at this point, she had been stabbed 28 times. 28? In her chest, her throat, her face... She could barely see out of one of her eyes. 
mind you, they stopped stabbing her, but they were still beating her. And so she's just still fighting. They then take her like outside of the truck and they open the tailgate and they slam her down on the tailgate. Like, you know, when you open a tailgate, you have the top part that then becomes at the bottom and it's like a corner Yes. Okay. Like now. So yes. so you've got your tailgate. It's up. It's vertical, and it lays down horizontal. And so yes. that very end of it, that's where they were bringing her down oh, on. Fuck. And they slammed her down on it. And this the second she hit, she just had this shooting pain through her back. Turns out when they slammed her down, they broke her lower back. Oh. So then all of a sudden she loses feeling on one side. It was paralyzed. They then, after throwing her down on this tailgate and breaking her back, they flip her over and they they rape her again. As this was happening, she went limp. Part of it was the paralysis, and the other part of it was just her realizing she's not going to win by fighting. She needed to make them believe that she was dead, because clearly they were being relentless. They were not going to stop until she was dead, so that's... Her, her new goal was make them think I am. She's doing this and they think she's dead. And one of the guys, like his exact words were like, we want you to know who is sending you to hell. And so the three of them say their actual names and they tell her where they're going next because they thought she was dead. Like they had no idea. Yeah. Next. Dumbasses. Right though. Like I hate these guys with a fiery passion And, like, to top it off, they are just real fucking dumb. So the next thing that happened, one of the men picked her up by the ankles, another by the arms, and they swung her down into a deep ravine. Yeah. So as this is happening, the sun's coming up. Dawn's breaking. So this has been literally from, like, bar close to daylight. As she's going down, like, she's hitting rocks and trees and branches, and she remembers feeling this. And then she heard the vehicle leave, and then she didn't remember anything until the next morning. So that next morning, she wakes up, and she knew something wasn't right. She was naked, she was freezing, and then that's the moment everything started to flood back. She had lost so much blood that if it had been any warmer, warmer, she would have died from blood loss. And if it had been any colder, she would have frozen to death. So the weather was in this perfect condition to keep her alive, even though she had, God, extensive and severe injuries. Well, because it's December, right? Yeah, it's December in Arkansas. Arkansas. Oh, my God. So she drags herself out of the ravine. You've got to remember, like, half of her lower body is paralyzed and her right arm like she had no strength left in that arm and in that hand and that was her dominant one so she's kind of crawling and dragging herself half crawling so it was a huge struggle and to top it off she had been beaten so bad she couldn't see remember i was telling you she she was stabbed in the face and like but she got out of this ravine she heard like a car off in the distance and she starts to crawl towards it and that's when she started to hear voices 
the voices happened to be of two young boys, one nine and one eleven, and they were on their way to school. Oh my god. As they start getting closer to her and she closer to them, one of them says, like, oh, she's a monster. And Christy's trying to say that she needs help. But because she had been stabbed so many times in her windpipe, she could only speak in, like, this airy voice that was like a gargled whisper. Because, I mean, she was choking on her own blood. Thankfully, though, the dad of the 11-year-old happened to be an Arkansas patrol officer So the 11-year-old sees this woman, he sees Christy, and he just, like, takes charge. He has the 9-year-old take off his jacket and make it into a pillow, and he himself takes off his own jacket and covers Christy up. Oh my god, this fucking 11-year-old hero kid. I know. When he saw something which I can only imagine is the scariest thing he's ever seen in his life, and instead of running away... He's like, no, I need to go get my dad. I need to help her. Yeah, he's like, oh shit, this person needs my help. They need to be saved. Because the other kid's like, it's a monster. I'm sure she looks like a monster. Completely. I mean, with the swelling, the stab wounds, the bleeding. I mean, it's horrifying. And it's nothing an 11-year-old or a 9-year-old could imagine. Right. But he sees this and he's like, no, this is a person who we can save needs help she needs help this is a sixth grader saying this it's so amazing kids are amazing so the 11 year old runs to get his dad and the dad comes back and immediately christy is fighting against him because he's a man and she had no idea at this point if she was safe she just knew she had bad feelings, bad things had happened, her memories are yeah. flooding back, she's in pain, and so she was terrified. Eventually, an ambulance and more officers um, started racing towards the scene, and they arrived. When they when they got there, all of a sudden, Christy's waving something at one of the officers to try to get their attention. And she has absolutely no memory of how she got this information But in her hands, she is holding her vehicle registration and one of the attacker's driver's licenses. Oh my god. So she hands this over, and this is the information. It's what the police need. I mean, they still have her truck. She's clearly identified one of these men, and she truly has no idea how she got it. Which, to be fair and to be totally honest, it is astonishing that she remembers as much as she does. Yeah. And this is something we've never really talked about in our Survivor episodes, but a lot of the times when your body goes through something so traumatic, you have memory loss and you don't yeah. remember any of it. And it's it's your body's way of protecting itself. And there's no real explanation, I don't think, or at least I don't know it, as to when your body does that and when it does not. Like when it mm-hmm. keeps you from remembering remembering something and when you're forced to remember everything. Because... Yeah. It really is a catch-22 because for the people who do remember, they don't want to. And for the people who can't remember, it's not necessarily that they want to, but it's the struggle of knowing that something happened that they can't remember. Yeah. No, that's interesting. And that's something I've never honestly thought about with every survivor case we do, how much they remember. And I mean, that's the biggest thing of survivor cases and why we 
um, usually stick to I Survived is because you get to hear the person involved actually saying it in their own words and their own memories rather than being transcribed through reporters or different articles, different things like that. It's just one degree of separation from what happened. But yeah, I've never thought about how much they remember. Every I mean, that's little everything. detail. That's horrifying. It is. So one of the three men was caught in Arizona a week after they attacked Christy. And the other two were caught in California still driving Christy's bloodstained truck. They didn't, oh, even, they didn't even clean it. So inside, her blood was on the windows, the seats, the floorboards. And the, the two men that kept the truck, they had even picked up a hitchhiker in Texas who later called in on a tip line be, because these two men had told the hitchhiker that they had killed a man and a woman in Fort Smith and they were just bragging about it. So as it turns out, they actually killed a man the day after they attacked Christy. And of course, they think Christy's dead. So yeah. the police found this man's body and it looked like his head had been blown off by a shotgun. But in reality, the men had beaten his head off with a bumper jack. So like a car jack. Fuck. Yeah. They beat him so bad with it that his head came off and police thought it had been blown away by a shotgun. Christy did request that the prosecution not seek the death penalty. She did not want them dead. She disagreed with lethal injection because these men never asked their victims if they wanted to go to sleep before they were killed. So she didn't want them to have that. That's a different kind of perspective on it. I've never heard that perspective because when she said it, I was like, huh. It doesn't sound like you're against lethal injection for the same reasons I am, but you have super valid reasons of being against it. Like, I just never thought of that as one of them, but it's true. Like, no, you didn't ask me if I wanted to sleep through all of this, and so you're not going to get to sleep through it either. No. Adam Travis McVeigh was 16 years old. He was 16? Yeah. I was picturing these men being in their, like, 40s. No. Donald Peterson was 18, and Jimmy Joe Winters was 33. I also pictured them being a lot older than they turned out. I mean, Adam and Donald, they're kids. Yeah, I mean, Adam is only five years older than the sixth grader who saved her. Yeah, and Adam's also the one that allegedly killed his own father. Donald, the 18-year-old, is the escaped convict. And Jimmy Joe Winters was the one that was out on probation. So, yeah, this is a group of some pretty bad dudes. Um, They were all sentenced to life in prison. And Christy's injuries were so severe that it was a month before her son was allowed to see her. And when her son was finally allowed to go into the hospital room, he was nervous. Like, he didn't want to hurt her. And she was like, no, it's okay. You You can get up on the bed. And her son, mind you three years old, was just like, Mommy, I'm just so sad. Me and the Ninja Turtles weren't there. We could have saved you. She said one of the nicest things anyone has ever said to her. It was definitely a tearjerker moment, as were multiple parts in this episode. Um, But Christy is alive, and she's, she's here to tell her story. And it's just... I know we say this every time we do a Survivor episode, but 
it blows my mind the things that people survive because this is some of the worst torture that I feel like I've gone over in a case. And yeah, it just, it was, it was so long. Like it kept going for a whole six hours and they were just very repetitive with everything they were doing. And they, I don't know, they were relentless, but Christy survived. She's a survivor. She survived. So that was my second chance survivor story. What case did you pick? Tell me about your Christy. Yes. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, mine is also about Christy. And um, to be honest. Different Christy. Different Christy. To be honest, this is one of the most horrifying cases I have ever done. And to the point where when I got to the end of it, of doing my research, I had to really sit down and think. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this. I do not want to do this one. Um, but I think it's important and the end of it and kind of what she says, the end perfectly summarized why I was like, no, I, I do need to do this one. Um, but this is real fucked up. And this is also from I survived and this is season six, episode two. So this happened in October of 2008 in the town of Roaring Springs, Kentucky, Christy is this 36-year-old single mom of three kids, um, and she loves being with her kids. They are her entire world. Her kids are 17-year-old Kayla, who plays guitar, 14-year-old Courtney, who she was the type of kid who was everyone's friend. She was always on the phone with someone, with a different friend, and she was just, she was that kid in school. And then her youngest, Ethan, was five years old, and he loved digging for worms, playing with frogs, just literally anything that would put him outside. He loved it. He was that kind of kid. Mm -hmm. So they are um, in this neighborhood. Their house is for sale, and it's a nicer suburban neighborhood. It's the kind of neighborhood where nobody locks their doors, everyone's friendly, very kind of you know, stereotypical, nice lawns kind of neighborhood. And really the only reason they were wanting to move out of it is because they wanted to be closer to town. They were like 20 minutes out of town and really wanted to be closer to where things actually happened. And so on this day, they are outside kind of doing a little bit of gardening the whole family is outside. They're just kind of like cleaning the property, getting ready because it's for sale and all. Yeah. And this guy walks up to them um, and he's just like, oh, hey, I'm looking for so-and-so. They live in this neighborhood. Do you know, like, which house is theirs? I'm not sure. And Christy's just like, oh, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't know who you, who you mean. I'm not sure where they live. I'm sorry. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he walks off, and she's like, "Okay." Doesn't even does not think about yeah, it. Yeah, like this is a non-event. Yeah, I mean, it's this guy being like, "Hey, do you know where so and so's house is?" Exactly. And, it's I mean, it's yeah, neighborhood things. Totally. About a week later, though, the kids are at school. A and week she's at later. Home. Oh God, sorry. I just yeah. did not. I didn't picture this. Uh, jumping into the future. Yeah, jumps forward a week. And the kids are at school, Christy's at the house, it's the afternoon, and this same guy comes back. 
Not a good sign. Well, and Christy recognizes him. She's like, that's the guy who was asking for so-and-so's house. And he just is like, oh, hey, I saw that the house was for sale. I'm interested in looking in it. I'm interested in moving to the neighborhood. And she's hesitant, but he's wearing a t-shirt for a satellite TV company. Like, he works for said satellite TV company. Yeah. And so she assumes that he's just, like, working in the area. And, you know, he wanted to come by real quick to just take a look at the house. So she's like, you know, okay. Because they have a realtor that shows the house normally. But she's like, yeah, sure, I can walk you through. This makes me really nervous. It should. They go in and she's showing him, you know... Here's the living room. We just redid the crown molding a few years ago. Here's the kitchen. The cabinets are the ones that came with the house. You know, whatever house stuff. Yeah. And he's just kind of following her. And he's not asking any questions. And she is like, in her head, she's like, that's weird. If he's interested in buying the house, why is he not asking anything? Yeah. Most people looking to buy a home have nothing but questions. I mean, people looking to buy a home don't shut the hell up. Have you watched HDTV? They literally walk into the most, it could be just a box of a room, and they're like, um, okay, but the texture on the wall here, what, you know, do you know the type of sand they use to build it? And it's like, oh my god, does this matter? I mean, if you're putting down money for a house, it does. True. But just know, you can scrape off popcorn ceilings. It's not too hard. It's really not. I believe in you. But whatever. Yeah, so he's walking through the house. She's touring it. Or she's, like, giving him a tour. He's not asking questions. And it's weird. When she's showing him the bathroom, he grabs her and he puts a gun to her head. And he tells her to just do what he says and nobody's going to get hurt. Classic line that cannot be believed. So he takes her into her bedroom and he ties her hands behind her back and then he ties her ankles together. Oh my god. He like and hog ties her, basically. Or I guess that's feet and hands together. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Whatever. We're got whatever. It's but, horrible. All the time. Yeah, her hands are behind her back, tied together, her ankles are tied together. And the entire time that he's doing this, he is just quiet and calm. That is very off putting. Some like yeah. someone doing these things and just being serene and calm like no no well it's like well you're doing these horrifying things and it's almost like it's just a task yeah that you're just like do 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 you know there's no difference between tying christy up and doing the dishes oh yeah so he starts asking her questions and he's like okay who lives in the house with you and she's like, it's just me and my three kids. And he's like, you don't have a husband? She's like, no. He's like, you're not. Are you are you divorced? And she's like, you know, yeah, but it's it's just me and the kids. Nobody else lives here. And then he starts pacing around the house. And she's sitting on the bed. She's tied up. And she's just kind of sitting there. He's pacing around the house. He's looking out the windows. He's just being weird. Mm -hmm. He's like opening drawers looking in them not in a what's in here i'm gonna steal it but just like i don't even know it's not not even in a he's looking for something kind of like he's just browsing all. browsing around the house yeah. being nosy honestly like the kind of things that you would expect someone to do who is buying the house you know looking at the drawers you know this 
It's just, it's weird. Yeah. And then he comes back into the room and he asks what times the kids get home from school. And she tells him 3.45. And in her head, she knows it's usually closer to 3.50. But she wanted to be able to do some kind of buffer. Give her, give, give her kids time. Whatever. Right. And so he's like, okay. And then he goes into um, her oldest daughter, Kayla's room. Goes through her drawers and pulls out a pair of pantyhose. And then just puts them in his pocket. It's really fucking weird. Pantyhose. You're, Yes. Oh my god, okay. At 3.45, the kids aren't there. And so he he asks her, he's like, kids are late. What's going on? And she asks him, she says, when they get here, can I just go to the door and tell the kids to go to a neighbor's house? Not gonna gonna tell him anything, not gonna show him anything. I'm just gonna be like, oh, hey, go hang out with the Johnsons. And he's like, no, shut up. And so she's sitting in bed, and a couple minutes later, she hears the school bus coming down the street. No. Because um, all of the kids, even though they're all different ages, 17, 14, and 5, they all ride the same bus home. And so she hears the school bus coming down the street, and the guy just disappears. He leaves the room and disappears, and she's just sitting on her bed tied up. And then she hears the kids open the door, come home. They're, like, talking about their day, laughing, being kids. And, you know, they're starting to come into the house, come down the hall, and they see her. And her 14-year-old, Courtney, is just like, Mom, what's going on? Do you, do you want me to untie you? Like, literally has no idea what's happening. Yeah. And at that moment, the guy jumps out and grabs Courtney and puts the gun to her head. And then he forces all three of the kids into uh christy's room is that where christy is yeah she's in her room on her bed and so he forces the three kids into the room with her so basically everyone in the house is now all in one room okay he tells the kids to lie down on the floor with their hands like behind their backs and they do and then he starts tying their hands behind their backs and ethan her five-year-old son he starts crying and asking what are you doing why are you doing this to my mommy i want to hug my mommy and so the guy's like fine kid go hug your mom ethan gets up and he just like holds on to christy for dear life and then the guy starts tying um kayla and courtney's hands together behind their back and then after their hands are tied behind their back he makes ethan get up and then he ties his hands behind his back with the pantyhose that he'd gotten earlier. With so the pantyhose? That. Yeah, he's been using, like, zip ties. And I guess he ran out. I don't know, but he uses the pantyhose as, like, a rope oh. to tie Ethan's hands behind his back. And then he's, you know, has Courtney get up. Courtney's the 14-year-old, the middle mm-hmm. one. He has her get up. He walks her out of the room. And he closes the door behind him. And then just a couple minutes later, he comes back, he takes Kayla, the oldest, out of the room, closes the door behind him. And then a couple minutes later, he comes back and gets Ethan. And as he's walking him out, um, Ethan says, don't hurt my mommy. I love my mommy. And Christy tells him that she loves him too. And then he walks him out and closes the door behind him. Oh my god, I can see why um, you didn't want to do this one. I already, I'm like, 
on pins and needles. I don't know what's happening, and I'm really scared for everyone. It's one of those that in all of these cases, you're watching the person say in first person what happened. So all the time you're watching I Survived, you're like, this ends with them alive. And you never know how. It's always completely unbelievable how people survive these circumstances. But there's always that grain piece in it. And then you have cases that involve other people. I know. And you don't know who's going to be alive at the end. You know the one person who's telling the story survived it. But what about everyone else? Yeah. So he's walked all three kids out. And Christy is sitting in her room now alone on the bed. She's still tied up. The door is closed. He comes back in. He's still very calm. Like he's just doing his thing. At no point has he gotten like angry or like yelled at the kids. I mean, really, the only thing he's done is uh, when she asked if she could meet the kids at the door, he said no and told her to shut up. Like, that's it. Yeah. Everything else has just been very calm, very orderly, just task oriented. Yeah. And he sits on the bed next to Christy and he tells her that it is either her or her daughter. It's her choice. And Christy realizes, with how he said it, that he intends on raping one of them. And so immediately she's just like, pick me. Pick me. Absolutely. Do it to me. Yeah. And so he cuts the zip ties around her ankles and rapes her. Afterwards, he takes her into the bathroom to wash away all the evidence. And then he takes her back to the bedroom. And he sits down. He's sitting on the bed with her after raping her. And he's like, I need to knock you out so you don't see me leave. And he just starts strangling her. At this point, everything changes. He just snaps. He's no longer calm. He is angry. It is like it's a completely different person, like, behind the eyes and things. Mm -hmm. And so she's fighting him. He's not able to get a grip. Strangling is not working. And so he starts trying to just break her neck. And she's still fighting, and it doesn't work. So then he takes out a knife that he had... And he just starts stabbing her in the neck. Oh my god. This really did take a major turn. I mean, it was already horrific. But holy shit, I didn't realize he had a knife. She didn't either. He had, she knew he had a gun. But he pulls out this knife and just starts stabbing her in the neck over and over. And then he leaves the room for a little bit. And then he comes back and he just starts stabbing her again in the head and in the back. And after that, she just lays in the bed and she's like, I need to play dead. Fighting back is not working. I need to play dead. There are, again, like always, but I feel like in this episode, more than usual, and you'll realize by the end of my case, like the more and more instances, holy shit, we have very similar cases. I mean, obviously they're both from I Survived, but beyond the fact that they're both survivor cases... I mean, the names, just a lot of details are very similar. Yes. Both being stabbed in the neck and the chest and the head and the wow. And so she's laying on the bed. She's pretending to be dead. And he throws a blanket over her and covers her body. And she's sitting there and she's waiting. And when he was stabbing her, he'd stabbed her in the ear. So she was not able to hear anything. She's laying there trying to listen like, 
when's the best time to get up? When is he going to be gone? And she can't. But she can kind of see out of the blanket. I imagine it's like maybe a knitted one or something that she can see holes through. Maybe it's just a thin one. Yeah. But she's kind of able to see through the blanket. And by kind of able, when she was describing it, it sounded like she was very much able to. So I don't know what blanket it was. It could have even just been a sheet, you know, like so thin that you can see shadows and movement and like everything through it. Well, she could see a lot more than shadows. Oh. So he's thrown the blanket over her. He leaves the room and he leaves the door open. And the way she's laying, she can see across the hall into the other room across the hall. And she can just see Ethan, her five-year-old, lying like on a pile of pillows on the ground like a kindergartner taking a nap after school. So she can see him and she's like, okay, I can at least see my child. And then this guy comes back in and he starts pouring gasoline all over the bedroom floor. Oh my god. And he lights the room on fire. Her room's now on fire. She's lying on the bed and he's like watching. And so the bed that she's laying on catches on fire and she's continuing to stay there and pretending to be dead. And then he like walks away and her left foot catches on fire and she's like okay i have to move this is my only opportunity yeah and at this point she thinks he's gone she's not sure she's no idea so she tries to get up and move but when she tries her right leg won't move and it's because when he was stabbing her in the back he went so deep that it paralyzed the right side of her body and so her right leg doesn't work Again. Oh my god. Similarities in our cases. Yeah. When you said that, I was like, excuse me? I'm pretty sure, um, in my case, it was Christy's left side. So, in mine, it's her right side that's paralyzed. And so, the room and bed and her left foot are all on fire. Her right side is paralyzed, so she can't get up. And so, she does the only thing she can do, and she rolls off the bed. Yeah. And she rolls over to these French doors that are in her bedroom that kind of, like, go out onto the deck in the backyard. And using her left foot, the one that was on fire, she kind of, like, reaches up and they're the lever doorknobs. Yeah. And she's able to get the door open and she rolls out onto um, the deck. And at this point, her hair is now on fire. Because she's... Like, rolling through the flames yeah. and stuff. Oh, my God. Honestly, the visuals in my head are some of the most horrific that I've had. Again, it goes back to, like, the details that survivors can provide. Like, this is unreal. It's not even anything that would be in the most horrifying, gruesome, not-okay horror movie. Would it, That would never be able to come up with this. No. And so, she rolls out onto the deck... And by this time, the entire side of the house is on fire. And so she rolls down these concrete steps in her backyard that lead from the deck to the pool. And she just rolls right into the pool. And remember, basically half her body's paralyzed at this point. I know. I'm scared. Is she going to be able to get out? She kind of balancing on one leg, on the left leg that she can control. She makes her way to the far side of the pool. And she's like, this is it. This is as far away from the fire as I can get. By this point, neighbors have seen the flames. They call 911. And she is sitting in the pool. She doesn't know if her kids have made it out or not. Yeah. She has no idea what's going on. 
but she can hear voices from the other side of the house, the far side that's away from the fire, that's where her kids' rooms are. Yeah. She can hear voices, and then someone comes around into the backyard and sees her and tells the other firefighters or officers, he's like, we have another one. And so at this point, she's like, we're saved. They obviously have my kids. Yeah. They found me. I'm safe. And her friend, who's a cop in town, runs out into the backyard and runs over to her. And he's like, Christy, who did this? Who who, who did this? She's like, I, I don't know. I just know it was someone from the satellite company. They get her out of the pool and they get her into an ambulance and her cop friend he rides it with her he stays with her the entire time yeah and also when she's in the backyard i don't know how well she was able to um speak how she was able to kind of convey that she didn't know this guy she wasn't able to scream and a lot of that is because her stab wounds along with those she had a fractured skull and her ear canal and her vocal cords had been severed so she's, like, trying to say something, but we don't really know if that was being conveyed. Uh, yeah, I don't... I, the way she said it, it sounded like it was, but I don't know how. Because her vocal cords were sliced through. So she is put into a medically induced coma. She has a bunch of surgeries on all her wounds. And she keeps waking up from her medically induced coma. She is, like, fighting it. Whoa. She's waking up and she's asking about her kids. And they keep telling her that, you know, they're in good hands. On the third day in the hospital, they wake her up. And when she wakes up, like, everyone's in the room. There's, like, doctors, there's family, there's police officers. And they tell her that her kids didn't make it. All of them? All of them. The guy had murdered all three of them by stabbing them to death before setting the fire. I had a feeling that's what he was doing um when he left the room and then when she said she could see her son taking a nap i was like he's not taking a nap yeah it was oh about my this God. point in the research that i was like i'm i don't i don't want to hear anymore i don't want to do this case i the case is not over yet i get why they didn't tell her before though she may not have made it i don't think she would have no her friend actually told her not the cop friend she was also friends with the coroner um and he tells her that you know we are telling you they're in good hands and they are they're in heaven kind of thing right and i mean it was done in like an obviously like meaningful way kind of thing right so you know at first she's like not believing them but then after 11 days in the hospital she's well enough to get up get out of the hospital, and attend her kids' funerals. I'm, what I'm going to say is going to sound so morbid, but that, sh- wow, her strength is just blowing my mind because, honestly, if I was in her position, I would be like, why am I not dead? Like, if they can't be uh, yeah. here, why am I here? I The strength to not give up. Yeah. I hope I never have to learn if I have it or not, but it amazes me people amaze me to be honest in in the good and the bad like i never stop being shocked and amazed by people so three days after the murders kevin wayne dunlap was arrested and charged and he was convicted on all counts of capital murder and he's currently on death row in kentucky 
And Christy said that despite her grief, she wanted to tell her story to possibly help others that have been through something similar. And that that was the line when she said that. I was like, okay, no, I have to say, I have to do this case now. Mm-hmm. If she was able to sit at a at looking at a camera and be interviewed about what happened to her and what happened to her kids, I can fucking do it on a podcast. Yep. And she said that um, her love and faith is what keeps her going and that she survived because she loves her children and she wanted to stay alive for them. That is my case. That is Christy's case. I'm speechless and also very close to tears. And yeah, same. So I'm going to I'm going to just say right now, we don't really need a postmortem because both of our cases, number one, I cannot believe the the similarities throughout yeah. all of it and that there were multiples and that's it's very eerie to me and I don't even really want to dive into how there are so many similarities. Uh, I'm okay if we avoid that entirely. Um but I think because of the fatalities in yours, like yours is more intense. I mean, she lost her children and like we were just talking about, like the strength of her. Um, and I mean, Christy and my story, again, dragging herself out of a ravine, like broken mm-hmm. back, surviving this six hours, hours of torture. Yeah. Yeah. The hours and hours of being beaten and raped over and over and all of this and fighting all the way through it is incredible. But I really do think but... the the children's deaths make yours so intense and... Yeah. And it's, you know, (laughs) it's so interesting because we do these survivor episodes for a reason because we want to get the message out that there are survivors and that like really horrific Mm -hmm. things happen and some people make it through. And like, I choose to look at that with a positive light and not a morbid light because we have to have hope. And like I said at the very beginning of this episode, having a positive attitude is so much easier than a negative one. And while the negative one, when things are just total shit is the more obvious, look at these women. They don't have a negative outlook and look what they've been through. And so like, honestly, it's stuff like this that makes you think like, my God, I have no reason to complain about anything. I mean, honestly, I feel like if I can live my life and i've exuded one percent of the courage and strength and fortitude and just willpower that both of our christies have yeah then i i did well yeah but yeah i think this case is um up there of worst ones i've ever done uh, along with sylvia likens i'm sorry y'all i did not know going into it what it was so again as horrifying as it is as awful as it is it really only goes to show how much stronger christy had to be and has to be and is yeah well i will pick our topic for next week and i'm gonna tell you right now it's not gonna be a survivor one because my heart can't take it no, nope, no. Although my heart no, can't take I... my heart can't take a not survivor one. So basically it's going to be a struggle regardless. 
You know what the topic for our next episode is um, kids who steal candy from the mall. We, or we can... That's that's the crimes we're going to talk about. Or we could go with, like, death-free bank robberies. You know what? Yeah. We're going to chat about Bonnie and Clyde driving into the Grand Canyon. No, nope, that's... That's Thelma um, and Louise. And you okay. really... That's... You're wrong. I know. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? I don't think... I don't know anything about Bonnie and Clyde. Maybe they were never found. Maybe they also drove into the Grand Canyon. They were... Or maybe they were found and arrested or something. They were caught know. and they were, like, shot by the police, I'm oh. pretty sure. Oh, were they the ones who were, like, I don't know, shot a shit ton of times kind of thing? Yeah, they were killed in, like, a police ambush. Okay, well, question about Thelma and Louise that's sort of relate. Honestly, in my mind, Bonnie and Clyde and Thelma and Louise are the same people. Like, that's... Your mind the same people. is so wrong. So, first off... So wrong. I just... I know I should know the answer to this question, and I know that I don't. Thelma and Louise were real, right? No, Tyler. It is not... Yeah, I full-named you. It is not based on <laughs> real people. However, there have been copycats, um... But also, Um, like, real young Brad Pitt is what I think about when I think of Thelma and Louise, and... I did not know he was in it. Oh my god, Tyler, if you don't watch this movie, you're gonna regret it forever, because young Brad Pitt is so sexy and so amazing, and he's shirtless, in a cowboy hat, he's everything you could ever imagine in Brad Pitt, and it was one of his, like, breakout roles, but to rust me... It's so worth it. Brad Pitt and like, I, just, I think I think he hooks up with Gina Davis or maybe Susan Sarandon. I can't remember which one. Oh. It's phenomenal. I'm just saying. Um, So I knew Susan Sarandon was in it. I 100% thought the other person was Dolly Parton. No. It was Gina Davis. Yeah. Susan Sarandon and Dolly Parton were in Steel Magnolias. Was Susan Sarandon in that? Because I'm a gay man who has not seen Steel Magnolias and I already have... So many of my gay friends that yell at me every day for that. So I will say, in defense of you, I saw Steel Magnolias for the first time earlier this year. It's beautiful. It's amazing. You do need to see it. No, it's not Susan Sarandon. It has Sally Field Fuck. and Shirley MacLaine. They're Sally Field. She she was the wife in Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. Right. Okay. And Dolly Parton was in Steel Magnolias and Julia Roberts. Oh. Oh, good for her. And Dylan McDermott. Like, it's a really oh, great God. Dylan cast. Dylan McDermott could fucking get it. It's a really Today, great cast. Today, <laughs> Honestly, okay. I think it's New Year's. I think it's a perfect opportunity to switch into New Year's resolutions. And one of my New Year's resolutions, and listeners, I expect you to hold me to this as much as Brittany will. I am going to watch Steel Magnolias in 2020. And Thelma and Louise, please. I will commit to Steel Magnolias if I also get to Thelma and Louise, that's a silver medal. And then if I also get to, like, 9 to 5, that's the gold medal. That means I won. Well, I haven't seen 9 to 5 yet, but I need to do that as well because I'm all about Jane Fonda. I love that woman. Um, And Dolly Parton's in that one, too. Yeah. And honestly, Dolly Parton is my everything. She's who I want to be as a person. If I can die and people like... (laughs) It reminded me of Dolly Parton. Then I made it. Oh my god. Um, so that's your New Year's resolution? 
is to become Dolly Parton. No, no. Oh, to watch the movies. <laughs> Honestly, both. Both. You can and should have multiple New Year's resolutions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I know. Let me. What are some of mine? I have a few for sure. One is not as interesting nor as fun as yours, but um, getting out of debt. Like I have. Uh, no, but that's so big. It's huge, and maybe by the end of twenty twenty, I won't be completely out of debt. But I've got some pillars that I've set m- for myself throughout the year. And, like, I'm finally going to do it. I've talked about it for literally years and years, and it's hard. Mm -hmm. And, okay, I will say, major side note, when I say get out of debt, I'm not talking about my student loans. Those are going to take a while, and I can't do it in a year. Like, that ain't happening. (laughs) If you were able to pay off your student loans in a year, I would borrow money from you. Okay, so student loans are a real thing. They're reality. But they have the lowest yeah, interest I, rate. What? I know, yeah. Student loans are real. I thought it was a creepy pasta. Nope. This whole time. Unfortunately, it's the hell that most of us are living in. Um, but like that has the lowest interest rates and whatnot, so it's towards the bottom of my list. When I say get out of debt, I'm talking about credit card debt because I have fallen victim yeah. to the plastic. As a lot of us have. And you know what? First off... Victim of the Plastic. (laughs) That's a good autobiography title. I'm just going to say, do not feel shame. It happens to all of us. It's hard. And it's difficult. And don't ever shame yourself for falling into the trap that is credit card debt. But... Oh yeah, it's hard because it's so easy. Just know you can get out of it. And you just have to commit. Mm-hmm. And I've said it for a long time. And I am like so fucking determined right now that it's not even funny. So that's my biggest New Year's resolution. Yeah. No, I love that. And I believe in you. Thank you. And of course, I mean, I have like the little ones too. Like the fun ones. Um, I don't know. I want to have like an awesome birthday. I'm going to be 33 in 2020, which is really scary to say out loud. But it's the reality. <laughs> And you know what? 2020 is the beginning of a new decade, and I just have a resolution to look out with positivity. You know what? Honestly, positivity is my theme of the day. And even I like even it. after the horrors that we just listened to, I think we can find the positive aspects, just like Christy and Christy did. Yeah. And I'm just going to say boom. But hey, you know, with that... So as we say goodbye to 2019 and hello to 2020, if you haven't done so already, just hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Give us those five stars. Tell us what you're thinking about the podcast. And we love you for it. Obviously, you know it. Yes, we love y'all so, so much. Also, make sure to like and follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And with that... Again, thank you all so, so much for tuning in, whether this is your first episode, whether you've been listening since episode one. Thank you all for such an incredible, amazing, unbelievable other uh, adjectives that are so big and out there that they're indescribable and they don't actually have sounds humans can make. 2019 was everything and so much more that I could imagine. And it's all thanks to you. Yeah, it is. Thank you all so much. We love you. You are all fucking incredible rock stars. And with that, this is Blood and Wine signing off. XOXO. Bye, 2019. Bye.
Hi, 2020.